0: out into the world with action how to change your life before you have to hi it's diane here with dr rachel dr rachel is an amazing woman in fact we're not even going to get to cover more than a very very little bit of her amazing multi-potentialite personality she is an acupuncturist and a doctor of natural medicine she is a mother of these beautiful children She runs her own business. She recently just moved from the city to the country with all kinds of experiences. And she spends her life really helping people change and make friends with it and make change work in their favor and before they get sick or diagnosed or the problems really hit. So Dr. Rachel is the perfect person to talk to us today about how to change before you have to. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited that you're taking the time for us today because I love your energy and I love how you say things and how you present things. So (laughs) tell us a little bit about what drew you to natural medicine. I know you were accepted into Harvard Medical School and declined that and went into natural medicine. So what drew you toward the more, you know, might we say proactive way of, of health and taking care of ourselves?
1: That's a great question. I actually shadowed a few physicians in different in different specialties before I made my final decision. A few surgeons, a pediatrician, a gynecologist, and I pretty quickly realized that they spent far more time shuffling around and doing paperwork and writing prescriptions than uh, interfacing with patients. And I have this distinct memory of the pediatrician that I shadowed um, writing a prescription for an antibiotic for a child who had a viral infection. And I questioned her and she said, oh yeah, they don't need the antibiotics, but it's just to shut the parent up. And I was like, oh, that's, that's how you practice medicine. So it was just this, it was this moment of aha, like, I don't, I don't want to have my visits be so compressed that I don't have the time to connect with parents enough Mm -hmm. that I just write them a prescription instead. And so I kind of gave up on the idea of medicine altogether until there was a job shadow uh, or a job fair, excuse me, at my college And a few of the naturopathic colleges were there and spoke about naturopathy and midwifery and all of these things that really were appealing to me. And when I did more research, I realized that the curriculum was very extensive and that I would be learning the same hard skills, but that I would get a lot of training in herbal medicine and Physical medicine, food as medicine, movement, homeopathy, uh, and those just have always been something I've been drawn more to than prescription medications. So that's
0: great. Yeah. So in the end, being open and I, all that shadowing paid off because it did, you, <laughs> you know, it's like you just keep following the path and, and it shows up for you. And so the good news is you said, yes, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. I'll do that. You know, that's wonderful. So is there a favorite part of the natural medicine that you do that you love the most? Cause there's so many things, like you said, what's, what's your favorite? Like if you could do like just a mm. couple of things that you're like, yeah, I get jazzed about that.
1: Well, I, I love cooking and food. And what I really love is understanding the natural habitat where someone is and using that as part of the medicine. And so For instance, in the Pacific Northwest, which is where I have lived for a number of years, you know, really looking at what grows seasonally and how that can be used medicinally, um, looking at the herbs that grow in your area and using those instead of just doing a Google search and taking a pill, but the the hands-on aspects mm-hmm. of medicine, you know, some of my favorite things, like allergies are are a big one for people, seasonal allergies. Local honey is a great way to offset the seasonal allergy complaints. So I, I think that returning to roots and keeping it simple and and in that looking at the actual physicality of the roots that surround you.
0: Oh, that makes so much sense. I I have a lot of friends in the Pacific Northwest and I actually did an herbal training up in Vancouver. or Mm. Actually, it was on Pender Island, but off of Vancouver. And they kept talking about the herbs of the Pacific Northwest and the plants there. And they kept looking at me because I was the only Florida person. I was the only person who flew diagonally across the United States to go to a two-day training. Like yeah. <laughs> but they kept looking at me going now when you go home, you look at what grows seasonally and regularly where you are. And then mm-hmm. you do these same things, but make sure it's local things. So now now what they said to me then makes much more sense to, you know, based on what you just said, I'm like, okay, good. That makes sense. So when you work with somebody, I'm thinking about changing. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about people because I work with visionaries and people who, you know, have that mentality of I really want to change, but make it really easy, or I really want to change, but I don't know if I really want to change. And there's all these, all this energy even around that word. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking about the difference between changing and the allopathic medicine world of, Oh no, I have a diagnosis. So I better change my blood cholesterol is too high or my high, my blood pressure went too high. So it's either pill or change or both. And the way you would look at it, which is, seems to be a little bit more rooted and grounded. So if somebody was saying, you know, maybe I need to change, Mm -hmm. but they want to change before there's a problem. What would you suggest that they start with? Or how would they start thinking? Or what would be the platform to shift from, wait till there's a problem to saying, what do I do first?
1: Yeah. So one thing is identifying whether or not, you actually want to make the change or you think you should make the change because that has, that has a huge bearing on success because if you're really wanting to make the change and it comes from a place of excitement or a place of embracing health, then we can play with it a lot more. If it comes from a place of, I should do this, it takes on a very different tone and it's almost like this consequence I'm bad. I need to change. And it just so starting there and understanding the desire for change, where it's coming from, and what you think the end result of that change will be. I know a lot of people who, you know, change their diet or think want to make changes to their diet. And when we get to the baseline of it, they think they should change X, Y, or Z because this is a bad food or because this is what so-and-so has said, or they're having a lot of negative self-talk about body image and, and making a change from a place of fear is most likely not going to be sustainable. And so changing the conversation to, well, let's just dream a little bit. If you stay exactly where you are now and make no changes, where do you see yourself in a year, two years, five years? And, and, Given the changes that you're talking about, where do you think those will lead you? And so then I actually like to do it backwards. So we talk about, okay, 10 years, if I make this change, I see myself in this place and you've described where you are. I can, I can run with my kids. I can get down and get up with my grandkids. I have energy in the morning. I can do the race I always wanted to do, you know, whatever it looks like, right. And when when we know the desired endpoint, then we back it up and we say, well, is this actually the change that we need to make to get to this end point? And for some people it is, and for some people it isn't. And so then we talk about creating the foundation because I'm a, I'm a big believer in sustainable change. And I don't think you can do that by changing everything all at once. People get really excited when they want to make a change and they want to do it all at the same time. And typically that can go really well for like a week or two, and then you fall off the wagon and you kind of lose track. And then it feels almost insurmountable to get back on that wagon and keep going. So you just kind of give up. Um, And so what we do is, is I don't like to change any more than three things at a time. And I like to look at them in different spheres of life and we just keep it really simple. And for some people, this is super frustrating. I know that the majority of people wish that there was a magic pill or a magic wand or a genie in a bottle that could facilitate the changes because you wanna see quick results. And so a lot of the conversations that I have with people are about, well, you know, this is the groundwork we lay so that you get those 10 year results that you really, really want. And I could write you a prescription and we could do something that would just overlay and you could feel better in small increments right now. But I can't promise you that you're going to get long term gains. So um, that's sort of the, the base of where I start. and. I like to look at, uh, health as a three-legged stool. Mm-hmm. Um, cause if you can think about sitting on a three-legged stool, if any of those legs are too short or too long, you topple over. Right. And so it's not just about perfecting one area of your life. It's about looking at all of those. And for me, it's movement and that doesn't have to mean exercise because a lot of people have this negative reaction about exercise. I don't want to go so, to the
0: gym, they say, right, or something. Yeah. It's like, it's not just that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it can be climbing trees or going to the playground or going for a hike, playing with your dog, like whatever, just movement, fresh air. Um, the other one is is nourishment. So not only the foods that you choose to eat, but how you're eating them, like, you know, shoving food down in your car versus sitting without distraction and tasting your food um, and being mindful about the foods that you're eating Uh, and then restoration. And so like the quality of your sleep, stress reduction techniques. And so I like to address one thing from each of those areas in each of the stages that we go through to, to help create sort of long lasting change and balance.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And, and you're, I know that every gifted person who's listening to you right now is going, ah, because gifted people love to dive in and it's all or none at all. I and get then, that. And then, well, cause you're gifted. So yeah. And then <laughs> what you were saying about, then it's harder to get back up on the wagon after you fall off after that week. I am like so guilty of that. It's not funny. And I think all of us are like, okay, I can just do it all. And then because we're all excited and then it's like, and then when whatever happens, it gets in the way. Usually, it's just some menial thing too. It's nothing big, and then it's like oh, I can't start back up, even though I'm really excited. So when you said that, I'm like, oh my word! Everybody is going, that's me. They're putting their hands up. I know you all are putting your hands up <laughs> for that. <laughs> but and and you brought up the thing about fear, not you know being the motivator, not being sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was about to ask you a question about fear with with. Um, because sometimes people change because they're afraid initially. So is fear as like kind of the beginning booster rocket okay, as long as there is a higher purpose and they can see the longer picture, like sometimes it gives energy? Or do you really try to get on the other side of whatever their fear is in order to build that foundation? Because that foundation makes total sense.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Yeah, I, I do think that in there are certainly instances in which um fear as that initial spark can be positive. You know, you you get a test result back or you recognize that um, a friend of yours who's lived a fairly similar life has had a catastrophic health event and you you don't want that to happen to you. And so you start to reevaluate where you are. I think that's a totally valid place to start. And then understanding the bigger picture of like, well, what I really want is more time with my family or my real motivator is to be around to see my kids graduate or to get to participate in in this thing that I really want to do. Um, the big thing about not allowing fear to be the only motivator is that that oftentimes comes along with um, sort of guilt and shame if you aren't engaging in the changes that you've made the agreement to make. So if, if you are able to come from more of a space of of loving kindness or understanding, or, you know, like I'm, I'm doing this for myself and I'm doing this for other people. And I recognize that they're like anything in life will be ups and downs in the process. I see that people have greater success than, when there's this rigidity of like it has to be this way because if it's not then I'm doing it wrong mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, there's so much reproachment and recrimination when you make one small error, um, kind of throw in the towel and you're like oh well I'll just I'll I'll really dive deep and I'll do all the things wrong and then I'll get back on the wagon you know next month or I'll fix it all and I'll be perfect. But I'll start Monday or, you know, there's there's just there it's an all or nothing mentality that just doesn't lend itself to real life.
0: Right. Totally. I I have a client of mine who when he hears this (laughs) interview, he's going to go, oh, no, you asked her on purpose, because that's one of the things I confront him on a lot is he always comes up with a date number or a time or a ritual to now I'm going to make the change. Mm-hmm. And it never happens because it's always too much, too more. And there's fear behind it. And we, we keep going there. And, then, he all, and it, then he'll just go sideways and come back and go sideways again. And I'm like, there's another way to do this. There's another way to do this. But he's still finding his perfect day or perfect time or where the stars are. It's always something. It's, it's kind of maneuvering that piece versus mm-hmm. really going deep and saying, okay, what's my real motivator here? And being honest about it. Yeah. which is a which is the value of the kind of medicine that you practice because like you said in the beginning you want to spend time with the person you're working with and actually hear and understand what's really going on and where they are mhm so that there's a higher probability of success because it's just not some random pill being thrown or some random idea there's foundation to it that matters so I forgot one of your legs of your stools. I wanted to ask you a question about it. Would you say what the legs are again so I can ask you that question?
1: Of course. So, movement, nourishment, and restoration.
0: That's it, restoration. That's the one. (laughs) I love the movement and nourishment one, but the restoration one, and I know that has to do with sleep and all of that and like the body being able to restore itself.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: my question is this people who have a lot of anxiety or fear, perfectionism, that kind of tightness just in their constitution, maybe do they have more difficulty with restoration than people who are more mindful and chill and can meditate do you see a correlation at all
1: yeah and and i i wouldn't say that those individuals who have a tendency towards anxiety um don't already try meditation but it's one of those things where they're like i, I just i can't sit still there's this internal restlessness mm-hmm. um and i know that i have definitely through the years um because of watching the parents of my the patterns of my parents and also just for my own needs um have been very guilty of filling the space. Um and I th- think that you can probably look around you and you see that people are on a gradation of those who kind of get nothing done ever and are totally okay with being on the couch all day and living off of others. <laughs> right. And and then and then there are the people who are on the opposite end of the spectrum who are the extreme doers and caretakers and never sit down and are always looking for more to take on. Right. And um I, I do believe that health kind of meets in the middle of, you know, being productive and proactive and Taking care of others, but also being able to take care of self and so using some of those spaces in your schedule um, where of course you can always get more done um, right. but allowing yourself to actually use some of those spaces intentionally to do a little bit of nothing read read a book for pleasure or if you enjoy baking doing that while you watch a mindless show or listen to a podcast, you know, there have to be ways to allow your system to unwind that aren't just about productivity and getting a pat on the back and getting to show someone how much you've done or like checking those internal boxes, because that just sort of feeds the cycle of the need to do. Uh, And it also kind of confuses your worth. And I think a lot of us do that Uh, instead of seeing that we're very worthy of love and attention and health just as is baseline. uh, We confuse it for um, only being worth connection or worth love or worth friendship if we have done all of these things so we're more um we're more a conglomerate of our actions than just a person
0: yes that that is so well said and i'm sitting here going yep uh uh-huh and i think (laughs) so many people get caught up in our value is in the doing, whatever we've Mm -hmm. done or not done. If we've done something wrong or we neglected to do something we should have done, then we're terrible, bad or whatever it is. And then, you know, and if we've done something great, then that makes us great. And the value is not in the doing it's in the, in your inherent beingness Mm -hmm. because you're sucking air, you're valuable. Be anything beyond that is a story you're telling yourself. And then that story affects everything.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing how it affects health in ways that people don't recognize. Uh, so for some patients, you know, I, I have very frank conversations with them and say, I-, I can help you. And there are herbs that we can talk about and there are things that we can put in place to help to offset the anxiety and the stress and the adrenal burnout and everything that you're going through. But if you're wanting to really look at this from a natural medicine perspective and treat the root, the thing you need to do is change your job. Or the thing that you really need to do is, you know, break ties with this relationship that's clearly unhealthy and and for some people the it's it's not so much about medicine as it is about being comfortable enough in themselves to finally say i'm more important and my health is more important than upsetting this person or letting these people down and that's really hard for a lot of us yes especially
0: i think uh, that happens a lot with women because we're, we're- enculturated to mm-hmm. put everybody else first. You know, now people are waking up a lot more spiritually and emotionally and mentally. But that is a big part of our culture. And it's a real error because there's a lot of negative consequences people pay with their physical health based on these belief systems and the energy of these different emotions. And so many people don't even realize that that they're connected. Everything's connected to everything. You can't escape yeah. that that connection. So the natural medicine way of looking at it to me seems um, much more sustainable. It's not like mm-hmm. running around putting Band-Aids on gushing wounds that are, you know, that's going to pop up somewhere else. It, right. It allows a flow of the being to to live more fully, you know, and have, have a more rich and full life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting you should say that is like we do really look at that sort of Band-Aid effect in natural medicine where... um Issues typically start on the exterior, so uh, rashes or skin symptoms. And if you just put uh, cortisone cream on it, you push it deeper and then you start to have internal symptoms. So it can then go to the lungs or to the gi- digestive tract. So it is an interesting thing of um, just putting a Band-Aid on it or just just putting something on it to make the actual Current problem stop doesn't mean that you are helping yourself in any way.
0: Wow. Because I think most people think, like, if you put the cortisone cream or whatever the band aid is, that that means it's taking care of it. But in actuality, it's going underground
1: often. Yeah. Often.
0: Yeah. Wow. All right. So y'all are probably loving what I talked to Rachel saying. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I think I need to hire her for me. So I have another question. I have lots of questions. One is if somebody's listening to us right now and they're like, Yeah, I know I need to change, but I don't really want to change, but I know I need to change. But they're kind of willing in their mind because now you're convincing them with what you're saying. If if they're not convinced now <laughs> with what you said, then you know they're not ready yet. What would be a good place to start? What would be a step one for somebody like if if they say, Okay, you know, I really need to make a change in in my the way I take care of myself? What would be something that Is doable and manageable that somebody could do just
1: to kind of get started? I think the first thing is find a partner. So, someone who you trust that is willing to hold you accountable. Because if you create the change or the idea for the change or you make the agreement in a bubble with yourself, uh, it's really easy to let the bubble just float away if it's not working. And so, i if if it's a friend or if it's a trained professional or if it's your partner um find someone who you can say like hey i've got this thing i've really been wanting to change it i'm having a really hard time i'm going to start by say it's increasing your water intake people discount how important drinking enough water is so i'm making a commitment to drink 60 ounces of water a day can you just shoot me a text at the end of the day and see if I did it? Or can we make an agreement that if I don't do it, that I have to pay you 20 bucks at the end of a week or, you know, something that is more than just within your own head Um, and go from there. Because I, I, that there's a reason that group challenges or group exercise Groups work because you harness the energy of the totality instead of just the individual.
0: Right. And our brains build that coherence. And so it makes things work a lot better.
1: Mm-hmm. And-, and for those of us who really like to please others or who like to like, rise to the occasion or get the gold star, knowing that somebody else is watching you and you have to succeed, can oftentimes be the motivator you need to change something that you've been unsuccessful in changing before. Yes. That's awesome.
0: So how do you help your children with change? Cause you guys <laughs> have changed. You all just changed. Your family just moved from a, a large city to a small rural area and made a big change with, with your living situation and all the cool things that you're doing. And with those changes comes transitions mm-hmm. and, Transitions are a natural part of making any kinds of change. So I'm just curious, what, how do you help children with change? I know there's people listening here that have children, and you have two adorable children. And um, so how are you helping them with the change?
1: Yeah, so we moved from Portland, Oregon, um, to Joseph, which is just a population of a, about a thousand in eastern Oregon. Um, And we went from a house that was about 2000 square feet to a tiny house, which is about 200 square feet. (laughs) So we've definitely sustained some massive changes and are in the process of making more. And I think that the biggest thing I'm recognizing is that in making those changes, it's okay to have emotion around it. So I have a two and a Mm four-year-old and they don't process things and figure them out and then tell you about them. They emote everything all the time. Yes. And so every time that a big emotion comes up for them around the change, I think that the most important thing to do is validate it and, and, and then create strategy around it if need be. But oftentimes it's helpful just to say, okay, yeah, I really get that you're having a lot of big emotions about the changes. Do you want to talk to me about it? Or what's been the biggest difficulty? Or what's been the most fun part of the change? And opening up that dialogue because I noticed that as parents, it's hard when you see your child in pain. Incredibly hard, and so our our initial reaction is, "Oh no, no, no! Don't cry! Oh, don't be upset! Oh, don't be!" and that gets internalized for little people really fast. And so, what it becomes is, "I'm not allowed to cry. I'm not allowed to show emotion. I need to be stoic all the time. It's not okay to." And I think that um, it's a huge disservice because those emotions go somewhere, if not out. Um, and so we have a lot of conversations about, well, what are the different kinds of tears or what are the different kinds of anger? And so I see that you're crying and it doesn't seem like you're hurt or you're sad. And are you, or, you know, it seems like really you're angry and maybe you're crying cause you want to get your way. And that's really not a kind of cry. That's okay for me. Um, or it seems like you're really angry right now. And it's totally okay to be angry. It's just not okay to take your anger out on another person's body. So, you know, right, right. All, all conversations that I think that we could probably have in our heads with our younger selves when we notice we're getting rather immature um, <laughs> right. and just give yourself permission. Like, yeah, you're feeling really pissed off because that did not go the way you expected it to. And it's totally okay to be frustrated about that, but maybe it's not okay to pick a fight with your husband because you're frustrated about it.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. I call it stamping your princess foot. Like when you regress back to being the little kid stamping your foot, pay attention to that. That's probably something you need to look at.
1: So just just the the base answer is giving yourself the space um, and giving them the space to accept and sort of modify around the change. Oh, perfect. So what do you
0: see as far as, um, the future and the welfare of your children and health and, and what are some things people could do looking forward? Cause there's a lot of people freaked out by this pandemic and then there's the vaccine and then there's like, the, can I ever go see another person again? And then there's the whatever right. the existential stuff is. Of course. And, um, and so everybody gets to pick how much power they give any of that. But what I'm wondering is from, you know, I'm back on this three-legged stool and listening to what you're saying because it it resonates so clearly, especially for the visionary type people and gifted people I work with, because we can just be all over the place. And what you're saying is like it takes all over the place and makes it manageable, Mm -hmm. which we're always seeking to find a way to make it manageable, have things emerge in a manageable way. And so I'm wondering what you kind of see for the future. Like, what are some strategies or what do you just see? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah. So, well, one thing is what we have moved out here to create. We purchased um, uh, real estate that's in a commercial zone. And we've talked a lot about what we want to create. And we believe that community and health are kind of being lost in this world of connectivity, and it offers a l- lot of solace, particularly for people who are at high risk um, or immunocompromised because they're able to connect with others through Zoom, like we're doing now, Facebook. But I also think that it can be an excuse for people to become reclusive and never explore or be a part of the real world. Um, and we're kind of losing sight of how to make those connections. And I noticed moving out here, just the difference in customer service going into a store or a cafe and the the pace is much slower and the ability to connect and just the kindness, yes. you know, yes. um, is it's very different. And so I'm, I'm hoping and what we're trying to do is create um, a place that can just slow people down and bring them together so um and incorporate the sort of wellness principles that we believe in um so there will be a movement space there will be kind of a spa type you know um sauna hot tub cold plunge um and and nourishing food kind of all in one area that people can come to in a in a small community but on a larger scale i hope that people can see that as a community, we can create a lot. But the more divisive that community becomes or the more judgmental or polarized, the less we're able to create and the more destructive it all becomes. And so whether you choose to wear a mask, not wear a mask, how you choose to wear a mask, what your ideals are behind vaccines, pro or con, I hope that we can stay open enough to realize that everyone is making choices based on really what they feel is best for them and everyone's doing their best. So the actions that someone else are taking are not directed against you, but for them. And that attacking someone for their choice is probably not going to facilitate change, right? Change based on fear doesn't tend to last. And so if you're really wanting to make positive changes in the longevity and health of our future, I think that we need to start genuinely looking at how to come together and and be able to hear other people. I notice over and over again that like on Facebook, people get into these just like nasty, word-throwing wars. And I don't even think that people have read the comments or have maybe even read the full context of the initial post. We're all just so bottled up that we want our point to be heard and seen. And I think there's a totally a place for that, but you can't exclude the kindness factor or the listening factor. So I'm, I'm hoping that some of that, some humanity, comes back, and I, I think we're starting to see that. Um, and then I also just in in reading, I've I've been reading some interesting books about um, just the progression of pandemics throughout because it's not like this is the first time we've ever had to deal with a global pandemic. It's it is for most of our lifetimes, but not in the span of um, in the span of the world and the history of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just looking back at what really separates those who are able to survive and thrive and those who are not. Um, And we've given a little bit too much power over to the medical model. And we think that a vaccine or that the words that are told to us, or the the specifications of six feet and and ninety five masks, are somehow going to protect everyone. And I am a big believer in the um, so Louis Pasteur. I'm sort of sidetracking here, but you know he's he's given uh, credit for like being the founder of the idea of vaccines. And if you do some research on him, he's actually um, a winemaker. And his main passion was in understanding how to keep the grapes from getting sick so that he could, you know, make good wine. And if you do a little bit of reading um, about him, he's really known for saying it's, it's more about the soil. So it doesn't matter what you spray on your grapes and it doesn't matter what you do to them. If you don't plant them in soil that is rich in what they need, they're not going to thrive. And I think that we're discounting the soil in the way that we're approaching medicine right now. And so the soil being our our own health so are you taking care of your body in the ways that are going to allow you to thrive because 20 different people can be exposed to covid-19 just like 20 different people can be exposed to measles or rubella and people will survive and thrive and others will get sick and potentially have complications or die and I believe that it's the soil that's going to separate out those components.
0: Yeah, that's very well said. And that analogy makes perfect sense. And I, I think we're seeing that, starting to see that play out as mm-hmm. time goes on. So that that's wonderful. So if you're really loving what Dr. Rachel is saying, like me, all her contact information is in the show notes for you so that you can follow her on social media when she enters back into the social media world. and. <laughs> And the neat thing about Dr. Rachel is, is that she's really dedicated and committed to um, everything she's talking about and more. But I'm paying attention to the time. And I have one last question before we end the show. And that is, if we were going to have a billboard that the whole world was going to see that had your name on it, your quote, what would it be?
1: Oh, goodness. My quote. Well, the thing that I always say to my kids is, if you can be anything, be kind. There you go. You so can, I guess that's it.
0: That's a great one. If you can be anything, be kind. That's the quote of the day from Dr. Rachel. Now, is there anything on your heart that you wanted to share with everybody that I didn't ask you about or came to mind? I just want to make sure that we've covered everything that that's on your heart.
1: Mm. No, I just, um, I'm guessing this will air sometime in the the January sphere of setting resolutions and then beating yourself up for not seeing them through. And if you're hearing this and you've committed to doing something that you fell off the wagon doing, you are human. Give yourself some compassion and get back up and know that starting smaller is oftentimes a way bigger reward.
0: Perfect. That's really good advice. Thank you so much. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Rachel, for being on Someone Gets Me With Me today. <laughs> yeah. I just I loved everything you said. I will be listening to this podcast myself more than once. So thank you very much for being here.
1: Of course. Thank you.
0: So remember, everybody, to keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you. You're a rock star. You are here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there, live your best life fertilize that soil as dr rachel says and make sure that until the next episode of someone gets me you're happy you're well and you smile see you then thank you for listening i trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information please join me and other visionaries in the someone gets me facebook group or for more information on my services and additional episodes visit someonegetsme.com again thanks for listening